Zero Down Sports Talk is back with episode 72. Huge coaching news that we are going to have to get to momentarily. And I am back leading off the show, not Finn, because we know it's just weird when he does. Hey. <laughs> and Ouch. Got, got to get back to the regular flow and the way this show operates. And have to mention really quick, Dylan Riola flipping his commitment to Nebraska Sucks to be an Ohio State fan. Missed out on Cam Ward. He declared for the draft instead. And you get Will Howard from Kansas State to take over for and hopefully help Buckeye fans forget the era of Kyle McCord in Columbus. Uh, that is a that is a tough break for Ohio State, not going to lie. So, uh, sucks to suck, Finn. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean – it's rough, but we're getting a Mecca Abuka uh, uh, back, which is kind of nice. So, I mean, know. yeah, hopefully, I, I'd love to see him take over. I feel like he kind of didn't really stand out this year the way that he he should have. So, hopefully, yeah, he gets back on track. That well, he's now like the number one guy because when you think about it, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's been there for three, four years now, and he's never been wide receiver one. He's always been wide receiver three or two, and so I think. This is kind of like it makes a lot of sense for his draft stock, especially with NLI deals now, for him just to go back for another year and and kind of work. Well, on I his- also I don't know if you've heard, but LSU just landed the number one player in the class of twenty twenty five, which also happens to be a quarterback, Bryce Underwood. Maybe you've heard of him. He's uh, from Michigan, actually, so closer to Ohio State than he is to Louisiana. Still chose Tigers. Go Tigers. And now we got the number one quarterback, running back, and wide receiver all from the class of 2025. So how about that? We're looking pretty nice. Brian Kelly out already out coaching Ryan Day on and off the field. Love to see it. So honestly, I can't really be that confident in that because guys just apparently guys will flip their commitment from Nebraska to Ohio State. I guess that's the world we live in now. So you never know what could happen out there. In, in the recruiting world of college football. It's absurd. And that's probably why Nick Saban called the quits. But And we'll get to that in a second. But first things first, have to get to Clown of the Week. Have a three-for-one special. So kind of a little more humble Clown of the Week this this time. And we got to start it off with really the Philadelphia Eagles because these guys were 10-1 and one in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the NFC. Once again, seemed like it was back to business. And... Maybe it had been a little bit more turbulent this year, but it seemed like they were going to finish it out and they were going to have the one seed locked up once again, heading into the playoffs strong. That did not happen, actually. And they got thomped by the Niners. And it was totally downhill after that. Nick Sirianni just doing nothing to stop that train. And honestly, it really seemed like they, the Eagles... They were so flying so high. They put the nail in the coffin for Buffalo. Buffalo even had the lead in that game, twenty to almost had the lead twenty to seven. But their kicker missed a field goal. That point is a full comeback for the Eagles. That was arguably the game of the year. Eagles seemed to figure it out at least offensively, and instead the complete opposite happened. It was just snowballed into a horrible finish. Absolutely zero momentum. The offense is in shambles. 
the defensive players don't even trust their defensive coordinator. It is bad. They finished one and five, including wrapping up the season with a loss to the Giants. I don't know how you do that, especially after you just beat them two two weeks ago. You didn't, you couldn't figure out. You're pretty fresh off that. I don't know how they couldn't just replicate that against the Giants of all teams. So, yeah, that's that's a tough one to swallow. And now they got to go to Tampa Bay, and that's going to be a game where you don't. It's act, we're actually not really sure who's going to win that game, even with the Tempe Buccaneers coming out of the basically the Big Ten West of the NFL. So that's going to be an interesting one to see. But there you go, Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni, just an absolute masterclass on his JV offense over there. I think they use the motion. They use motions on their in their offense. The least of everybody in the NFL. They have the lowest percentage of motion. Not exactly a recipe for success in today's game. And then second on this list here, we're going to bring up the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars were really a team to watch and not for great reasons. They actually went from the potential number one seed in the AFC as well. They, at one point, were the number one team in the AFC. And they had the one seed at eight and three to limping to the division title and then actually still fumbled the division title, losing to the Titans in week 18. They didn't even have the Mayo man. They had... They didn't even have Will Levis available. They had to turn to Ryan Tannehill, just like vintage times. And somehow, in Derrick Henry's final game, they just put together some 2019-2020 magic back together with Mike Vrabel. The the three of those guys, it was their last game, last go-around. Wow. They they made it it a hell of a game, turning back the clock on the Jags. I can't believe this – the season went the way it did for the Jags. But they had a lot of issues. Trevor Lawrence's ball security was just not great. And he also had no help against the Blitz. Doug Peterson did not do him any favors when Trevor Lawrence is under pressure. They could not figure out the quick passing game. Also, no Christian Kirk being available over the last six weeks of the season destroyed this team. Absolutely destroyed this team. You know, if you go back, I've said this plenty of times, but if you go back and watch the Jacksonville Jaguars playoff game last year against the Chargers. He was their go-to guy, especially on third downs. All the He made so many crucial plays and was a huge reason for their for why Trevor Lawrence had started to make strides as one of the, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And when he is not there, despite bringing in Calvin Ridley, this is not the same team somehow. And they just had serious problems could not figure out how to put together the offense without Christian Kirk. He had an injury, a groin injury, and he was going to be, as a result, out for six to eight weeks. He was injured on the first play of their game versus Cincinnati, so basically didn't play in the game versus Cincinnati. That was the start of the losing streak, and it just spiraled from there. And they finished, yeah, one and five without Christian Kirk. Nope, but it doesn't help when you don't have a running game as well. So I think a lot of this honestly falls on Doug Peterson. And as a result, it Trevor Lawrence's play suffered, I think, as well. So the they kind of beat themselves in a lot of ways. They beat themselves certainly in the game against the Ravens. It was a game they actually could have won. They didn't, but they didn't pull it out instead. So the Jacksonville Jaguars will not be in the playoffs, which is weird to me. This team seemed to have too much talent and too good of a head coach to not get it done, but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say, I, I think, are we at the point where we can 
maybe start giving Trevor Lawrence the bus label? I I don't think quite yet because I think Doug Peterson was more the issue and I think he was more so the reason that they took a step back this year. I think he did not make enough adjustments on the offensive side to put them to give them better opportunities to win. So you would like to see another year. I you obviously Christian Kirk was a big part of what they do. You need to add probably a third wide receiver, a more reliable wide receiver. They got to figure out the running game. And I think so the offensive line probably needs some help on, on that front. And so if you strengthen the offensive line, need everybody healthy, maybe add another running back and get creative with those running backs, get the, get those guys more involved. This could be a little bit different. And obviously they ended up finishing the season and fired their defensive coordinator. I think Mike Caldwell. And at times, honestly, I think he elevated the play of certain guys on defense. I don't really know how big of – I don't think he was that big of a problem. Now, obviously, gave up 28 points to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans in the last week of the season with the season on the line, a game that you absolutely have to win. Not great. And also got sauced up by Jake Browning. Not great. But I don't know if that's going to fix everything, especially this offense in Trevor Lawrence's uh, play. So – yeah, I, I think they got to run it back, but you, you got to add a little bit. Definitely on the offensive side, you have to think about helping that offense first and foremost to get the most out of your number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I get that point of view. I just think, I don't know. I don't think he's made the strides that you would like to see a number one pick make. Like right now, again, C.J. Stroud's a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence arguably came into a situation that was maybe a bit better from the get-go than Trevor Lawrence did with urban Meyer. Um, but again, right. Like when you see a guy like that immediately come into the NFL and start producing very quickly. And then you see a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is considered a generational talent and still struggle going into year four. I think that's when you have, if I was a Jaguar fan, I'd be very concerned because it just, it just seems like he's a good quarterback that, you know, can play well some games, but again, just ha- hasn't shown that consistency of a number one overall pick that you'd like to see by year three. And I think again, right. Like this isn't, this wasn't a project quarterback. This isn't a guy, right. Who they planned on, you know, like a Jordan love, right. Where you plan on kind of, bringing this guy slowly in after two, three years on the bench. This was a dude who was considered the best prospect since Peyton Manning. And yeah. I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy who sauced up Alabama in the national championship as a freshman. And we haven't seen that same player, but again, I think that's partially because of his size and of his physical just build. This was a guy who kind of never really was physically challenged, especially in high school, obviously. But even at the college level, right, like he was still oversized um, at the quarterback position. So I wonder a little bit if it's just simply, you know, he's kind of relied on his whole career as a football player on his size and just being bigger than everybody. And now he's one of these guys, right, that's finally in a league where everybody's bigger and stronger. And it, you know, he's not picking it up as fast as I think he thought he was. And, you know, again, I just... I think if you're a Jaguars fan overall, you have a lot to be concerned about going into year four 
And this is kind of the maker to break it year for me. I don't, I think if he doesn't play well after this year, you know, Jaguar fans have to start considering like, okay, is this our guy or do we need to move on again? Which is just crazy to think that this organization would be back to square one like that. Right. I think overall, this was a down year for Jacksonville and year three is going to be very important. There will be a lot of eyes on this team and there could be decisions made based off the results of next season. 100% year three of Doug Peterson working together with Trevor Lawrence. So definitely going to be a very big next season coming up for the Jags. They're going to have to answer some questions if they don't perform up to expectations. Yeah. And now turning to number three on the rundown for clown of the week, it's the NFL. (laughs) They were, and honestly, they got, they got robbed for clown of the year in 2023. I, there's a, they honestly probably should have gotten the clown of the year award. And we just kind of decided to give it to Brandon Staley instead because he just put on an absolute masterclass. We got lost in the sauce on that one, I think, maybe. But they are here because they decided to give an NFL playoff game. We're not talking about college football primetime games anymore. We're not talking about making it the Hawkeye Network right now with Iowa football. We're talking about an NFL playoff game. They gave that to not NBC, but actually their streaming platform, Peacock. So... Peacock was able to somehow, some way, secure the rights to a NFL playoff game. And the matchup that they were awarded was the Miami Dolphins visiting the Kansas City Chiefs, the six versus three seed matchup in the AFC on Super Wild Card Weekend. That is a good matchup and not ideal to not be able to watch because it's on Peacock, of all things. I mean, we knew we know Peacock kind of has a chokehold on the Big Ten West. We cannot let them have a chokehold now on Super Wildcard Weekend. This cannot be happening right now. I, I guess they, we do get to see Taylor Swift on the cock. So that is something that is going to be wow. great to see, I guess, for them. You know, that's that's big news right there for sure. And But this is not this is not what we need in come playoff time. This should not have been allowed. I don't know exactly how successful Peacock is going to be in the future. I don't see them having a ton of success, honestly. I, I don't think this makes a ton of sense to have an basically an app have the exclusive rights to televising big games, like an app that is not very common that people are, most people are not going to be paying for. Maybe they'll get a lot of Swifties from this. I don't know. Maybe this will be the Swifties new app. It could be interesting there, but I don't think this is going to work out necessarily for, for Peacock and or the NFL, really, I I just I don't see how this is a a a good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, they've been really trying to push the streaming, and I would understand, right? If they, I mean, if they made this an NFL Plus exclusive game, that would almost make more sense. But just again, this might be Peacock more than the NFL, or actually, no, I take that back. I think this is both of them combined. Obviously, Peacock's just a business. They're going to take this if they can to promote their, their streaming service, and they probably know that a lot of people are going to start a free trial or, you know, and then forget about it or get a Peacock membership to to watch this game. And if anyone actually out there has used Peacock, they will know that it's probably one of the worst streaming services. It freezes up. I watch the Premier League quite a bit, so I love p or i don't i shouldn't say love i use peacock because i love the premier league and i deal with it but it is just super 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 dodgy and it doesn't really work that well so i wouldn't be surprised if this 
a lot of people don't even watch the game on Peacock simply because it's just glitching all the time. But it's definitely a money grab, um, and it's a bummer. Uh, but then again, does anyone really want to watch the Chiefs? <laughs> like, I, I think I think Swifties will have something to say. Yeah, no, all the Swifties Swift- are really the ones that are mad. This is the first time that Swifties and NFL fans have united in uh, unison. <laughs> you know, for their anger at, at the, at the NFL. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. All I will say is I am not a Swifty, so I will not be tuning into this game on Peacock and uh, Peacock is just, I don't think it's for me. I don't Off really streams, We will be there. Yes. <laughs> so certain streaming sites. We will be there. 100%. Yeah. Or but, the other thing you can do is just go to a bar or restaurant. Like that's what I do for all the UFC fights because I don't want to pay for the you know UFC like the eighty nine dollars or eighty bucks it is for UFC. I'll just go to a bar that has it. And, you know, you get a drink or a plate of chicken wings, and you know it's definitely cheaper than a Peacock membership. So maybe or definitely at least feels feels better at the time. Yeah, yeah, but I I just don't get how those how that business plan works having the rights to one playoff game. If you're going to try to jump into this, you should have jumped into it, I think, last year and have tried to get more games showcased on Peacock instead of, you know, a couple late in the season Saturday night games and then a playoff game somehow, some way. You know, I just, I don't get how that works. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. We already have Amazon Prime trying to ru- trying to ruin Thursday night football with their stupid exclusive rights on the prime app and prime video. And now the NFL is going to try to implement Peacock into the mix. I, I just don't think it's good for the sake of the NFL making it harder to watch games for fans, especially casuals and Swifties. So yeah, I don't, don't know how that's going to play out for, for them in that regard, but let's move on. We got to talk about, playoff weekend here and we got a lot of good matchups honestly it it actually worked out quite nicely somehow the pittsburgh steelers were able to find their way into the playoffs i don't understand why why did the seahawks let that happen i don't know basically why pete carroll is out as a head coach that's kind of a wild story in itself we got to talk about pete carroll i guess for a second um he and he's kind of getting buried in the news under the other two legends that just decided to step down, I guess, or, you know, part ways talking about Pete Carroll here, choosing to step down, I guess, and and he's going to be put into a new role with the Seahawks. So he's not completely out of the building, but he is no longer the head coach in Seattle. Apparently he didn't want out. He wanted to stay. He fought for his job and didn't get his way actually. So that is very surprising to me. He, he did a lot of great things in Seattle. I think, Unfortunately, part of his downfall was having too much say in the draft process and personnel who gets to come in and help the Seahawks, who is going to be their first round pick. A lot of oftentimes it was a defensive player and some of the or the Jamal Adams trade as well. I wonder how involved Pete Carroll was in manifesting that deal. That deal was huge for the Seahawks. Waste of first-round picks. Did not was not a good deal. Jamal Adams was clearly only a box defender. He he's not able to match up 
covering running backs in coverage. He's not able to be a really sufficient starter in the in pass coverage. It overall, I think, was a horrible trade. He missed a ton of games as well, so he wasn't even available for most of the last two seasons. So that trade was, I think, kind of maybe the beginning of the end for Pete Carroll. They had a lot of great seasons, no doubt. He's going to be remembered for the Legion of Boom. That was a f- insane couple years there with that that those that group of guys, and they easily almost had back to back Super Bowls. I think that's kind of number two though. Under the Legion of Boom, you're kind of going to remember as well. Why didn't they run it with Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl against the Patriots? Could have gone home back to back champs and said you go out in a brutal way with Russell Wilson throwing an interception on the goal line and jump-starting Malcolm Butler to fame. So I think that is kind of the two top two memories. Bitter, a little bit bittersweet there when you look back on Pete Carroll's time in Seattle. But what a he's a great guy, huge personality. I think people would just have nothing but good things to say about him, except for, I guess, us talking about how he was involved kind of in some front office decisions. So, but he's, I guess he's sticking around. So I, but do you really want Pete Carroll part of the draft process? You know, if he was already kind of clearly in John Schneider's ear in that regard, I don't know if that is necessarily the right thing. I, I, I It's nice that they appreciate him that much to still keep him around, but the guy is 72 years old. His defense was you know, it was getting cooked out there. It, it wasn't a successful year this year. Last year was was a fun year, you know, again, proving all the haters wrong, saying that they were – everybody counting them out after Russell Wilson being out of the building. And I think that was kind of a year where everybody was locked in. They wanted to prove people wrong. They had something to play for, a chip on their shoulder. This year, it's like, okay, we're running it back, Geno Smith. Defense, ideally – these younger guys step up, but doesn't always work out that way exactly on the way you think it's supposed to go. And it, it, the defense just didn't get it done this year. I mean, honestly, especially in that Seattle-Dallas game, that was a terrific game, the penalty bowl, really, because both these teams were the most penalized teams in the NFL, just flag city the entire night, except for the final drives on both from both teams. Just, But, yeah, Jamal Adams – as I said before, he, in man coverage, he is a disaster waiting to happen. You cannot have that guy on the field, in, in, uh, at least in the second half or on big-time plays. On third down, he's out of the game if I'm if I'm his head coach. So, yeah, and Geno Smith, I mean, obviously he loved Jackson Smith, the Jigba, thrown in his direction, especially on third and fourth downs. Uh, he, he gave him – he really did a lot – played great that night for their offense. And Dallas – Gave him a chance at the end, 146 on the clock for Seattle to go down game-winning drive. But somehow they forgot to block Micah Parsons on the final play, and they they coughed up that game. And Dak Prescott really carved up Seattle's defense. You can't have Dak Prescott just straight-up carving your defense and dropping an easy, I think, I think there was 35 points on him. I kind of forget the final score of that game. But it was the Cowboys looking amazing at home. Dak just absolutely put on one of his best games of the year against a bad defense um, Pete Carroll's defense it's supposed to be a specialty and the defense didn't perform so yeah it's just the obviously the defense didn't get 
get it done this year and Pete Carroll is, is not there in Seattle anymore. It's it's, it's going to be weird looking at the Seahawks and not seeing Pete Carroll on the sidelines chewing gum in, in a absolutely packed um, Seahawks stadium with, with the 12th man. It's going to be weird. And it's also going to be weird for these other coaches too that are no longer the head coaches. I guess yeah, we'll start with uh, Bill Belichick. Let's keep it in the NFL for a second. Uh, Bill Belichick coming out a day after Nick Saban stepping down or parting parting ways, I guess. And it kind of seemed like Robert Kraft had made the decision that Bill Belichick was not going to be there anymore. And Bill's like, you know what? I'm fine with that. And they, they both came to terms. They acknowledged they had a great run. And Belichick is no longer going to be in New England. And that that is his territory, and he is not going to be there um, anymore. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, overall, it's a really it's been a weird week for uh, just the fact that we've had all these coaches just all resign or get fired, you know, in this quick of a span. Um, you look at the Giants too; they lost their defensive coordinator, which is a shock. You look at Vrabel, obviously a shock. Um, I, you know, Belichick, I think you everyone kind of saw coming. I think Pete Carroll was more of a surprise. Uh, Saban, I think, was definitely a surprise for me. I thought he was going to come back. I always felt like even though he was getting older, you know, he still had that recruiting prowess. You know, he still had that capability to kind of take Alabama to the next level, even with a bad team. Um, and th- this team this year was, in my opinion, not very good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it it's pretty shocking. But – it's not. I, I don't think it's really a surprise with Belichick, and I think we're definitely going to see Belichick on a new team. I don't think it's going to be the Chargers. I think Harbaugh, after you know, obviously winning that that rigged game against Washington, <laughs> is going to go coach the Chargers <laughs> now. But and and I, I I think you could see Belichick for sure on the Falcons, and there's been a rumor that they've been already you know contacting him about that. But yeah, overall, just a weird week for for all these coaches to resign all at once. It's just, it's kind of crazy to think that these guys have been the coaches of these teams our whole lives. And, and essentially another, they're, they're just gone. It, it is weird. When you think of the Patriots, obviously think of Belichick, the Patriot way, and he's, he's not going to be there anymore. I don't know where the Patriots exactly go from here. It does seem like Mike Rabel is almost has a foot in the door already. And, it's just a formality that they need to have the press conference and give him the job as the former Patriot, the guy that played under Bill Belichick that Robert Kraft probably loves. And maybe they'll go back to being a defensive minded physical team that everybody respects again. But obviously when you look back at Belichick, you think of him as a, the greatest, at least at the very least, the greatest defensive mind football that would pick up on some of the smallest details and somehow incorporate them into a game-winning strategy. Go back and look at the game this year when they played at in Foxborough against the Dolphins and the incredible block on the Miami's field goal, one of their field goals, with the the gunner on the outside. He, he actually started close to the sideline and came in with a running start and timed the snap perfectly to block the field goal something I think we've never, ever seen before. And he, he it seemed like he was going to start a trend here in the future. And it, it did. People, teams were doing it right away as soon as they saw that on primetime. But 
the only Bill Belichick is going to be able to come up with a play like that. Like he knew the holder or the long snapper played in New England last year. He does this thing, this little head tilt before he snaps the ball, picked up on it, told his, told a special teams player, Hey, this is how you time the snap and jump it and block that field goal. And they did just that. It's, it's only things like that, that he's going to be able to come up with. And you just can't replicate this, his kind of genius. It seems like in today's today's world but you kind of wonder at times how much longer would he have lasted if he didn't select mac jones as the future quarterback i mean i saw this coming i knew his style of quarterback was not the future he was tough to evaluate because he was coming out of alabama it was a, a offense with a lot of motion some easy quick game passes for him to you know um execute and Obviously, Devontae Smith, Heisman winner that year. They won the national championship. They were so dominant. Nobody could really stop that offense. Absolutely loaded football team. But yeah, Mac and Mac Jones, he didn't have the tight window throws. He didn't wasn't asked to really win games for them or or also make a lot of those NFL throws because he just wasn't really challenged much that year in college football. I mean, and we have the stats. Like Joe Burrow had, I think, 124 tight window throws and his dominant season back in 2019 at LSU. So he made a ton of, he was asked to make NFL throws and he did it time and time again. Mac Jones only had to make, I think like 44 of them uh, over the whole season. So it, it was, he was a tough guy to evaluate because he, it was, uh, the situation he was in was so perfect. And that's the guy that Bill Belichick chose to be his, his, his next quarterback. It didn't work out. We saw it coming. Now, they still have questions at quarterback and that was a big reason why he was unsuccessful because the offense never held up their end of the deal. Also, I think it did not help the coordinators. He chose to run said offense, Matt Patricia, a defensive guy and many others clearly just his coaching staff was not the best, at least on the offensive side. So it, 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 Maybe this was all part of the exit strategy at the same time. Maybe he wanted to tank, so Robert <laughs> so Robert Kraft would let him out. Maybe he realized he signed too, way too big of a contract, and this was all part of the plan. Bill Belichick is still smarter than the rest of us. Very entirely possible. I, but yeah, who knows? And he he saw the NFC. I mean, the AFC East was getting better by the day. Eventually, he was going to be losing the Jets one way or another. Wasn't didn't quite exactly happen this year. Really, I guess, or in the fashion that you expected it to be with Aaron Rodgers supposed to be on the field. He wasn't there. Still lost to the Jets. So how about that? But anyways, let's talk about Nick Saban now for a second. He decided that it was his time. He left on his own terms, 100%. And he is not going to be at Alabama anymore. That is something that is really hard to really wrap your head around because he has just been in a way, the face of college football, you know? So, and to me, honestly, at at his age, I think he is 72. I'm surprised that he lasted this long with the way that college football is changing, especially after that COVID year where you had to deal with, oh, are we going to play season or not? And then you have guys transferring left and right. You put all this work in recruiting. You have three different recruiting cycles and signing days. You never really have a true off season. 
you get like two weeks off compared to at least six weeks off, I think, for NFL head coaches. It sounds exhausting, and there's no rules around it. NIL just legalized spending money on recruits straight up. Um, that there, there was a funny, funny coincidence that um, Dodge stopped the production of, uh, I think, Challengers. And, oh, maybe that's why Saban's out. Couldn't offer him the car anymore, you know. That <laughs> I wonder if that would, if how how funny would that be? But yeah, I I'm just surprised that he was able to deal with it. Um, the, the changing landscape of college football with um, NIL and the transfer portal this long. It, 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 I would not want to be a college football head coach and right now at the, at this very moment. It, it sounds terrible. Now you had to play a 12 team playoff too. You got to play an extra game uh, if you're not a top four seed not a conference champion. It, it sounds horrible. It, it, it look, he does. Yeah. But I think, I think for him, it's just, you know, he also has nothing left to prove. So, but I am surprised he went out like this, you know, it was a weird, it's just a weird way to go out for a guy who is arguably probably the best coach of, of all time, maybe definitely in the modern era. And, and that's not even in, college football i mean we're talking he might be a top five coach in all of american sports in the last in the 21st century um and so i for him to go out in that way is really interesting to me you know i really would have assumed he would have tried to go all in for one more year you know you're bringing jalen milrow back you know you're you're revamping the offensive line It, it it did seem it was just a shock to me that he decided this was the moment to go Considering that, you know, again, I think if he came back next year, I would be pegging Alabama to win the national title in 2025 or 2024. Sorry, if you want to call it that. But um, that was the biggest shock to me was really just like it wasn't, you know, like this was the all or nothing. You know, everyone's a senior. No one has eligibility left. This is it. You know, like there was kind of a lot of us, I think, that felt, you know, hey, like Jalen Milrow is a good quarterback. He just needs to be polished. He just, you know, he developed over the season. And again, I think if, if now that Nick Saban is not coming back, you have to kind of wonder, right. Where does this leave Alabama for the next 10 years? You know, you have Kirby smart clearly taking over the South in terms of recruiting um, and just, you know, overall beating Bama and, and being more dominant since the start of 2020. Yeah. And on top of that, you have LSU with Brian Kelly, you know, emerging, getting obviously top recruits. You have the Big Ten becoming more powerful and more, you know, dominant in terms of the prestige of the, the teams in there. Uh, I think you have to look at a school like Oregon, right, with Dan Lanning and the fact that he's staying and not going to Alabama kind of tells you everything you need to know about his plan. And I actually think if there was any young coach to be kind of the next Nick Saban of a program, I think you would have to take Dan Lanning of Oregon. Um, so yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, I really, I, it's almost like, I don't think any of us really ever thought this day would come. So the fact that it came, you know, after that type of game, no heads up too. no, no, it was very, very brief, but that's, that's kind of who Nick Saban is. Right. You know, I think he's just one of those types of guys who, you know, he's not here to make a big, you know, celebrity documentary about it like it's more just this is my job this is what i've done for my career and i'm ready to leave and and he's been very you know he and his wife have for a long time have been very upfront about you know the hardships that he faced as a coach when he was younger and 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 let's give him credit you know 
really until until Alabama, you know, it wasn't all roses for him. You know, he really struggled. I mean, he he went through his ups and downs as a coach, and 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 some people will hold that against him and say, you know, he's never, you know, he never won anything outside of Bama, but you know, outside of that LSU national title where he was a coordinator. But I mean. God, like, it's weird because I feel like in the future, you know, if I ever have kids or something like that and they ask me about, you know, Nick Saban, it would just be like, you'll just remember as a kid, just always knowing it didn't matter who was the underdog that year, who was the dark horse, who was the team that was, you know, winning the hearts of everyone or, you know, dominating the media stories. There was always just big, bad Alabama to, you know, come in and just ruin it for everybody. And that's what Nick Saban was. I mean, he just, he dominated for 15 years plus and you know as much as i hated him and as much as i hated those bama teams like you couldn't help but respect it because you know they were just that good and they yeah, always... i mean four heisman trophy winners on his teams too you know you just... 100 plus nfl players ridiculous yeah nfl factory um I, I got some amazing stats here too to kind of sum this up for these guys so back to belichick for a second Six Super Bowls, nine AFC championships. Also won six Super Bowls and nine appearances. That's extra nice. And then this is how you know Nick Saban's also from the Belichick coaching tree. Don't forget, Saban was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator back in the 90s for the Cleveland Browns. So this is how you know Saban comes from Belichick. Six national championships, nine SEC conference championships. That is so nice. So, yeah, that's that. those are some great stats right there. I'm glad I was able to find those. And... <laughs> They, 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 they did some serious work. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, uh, Saban got one of his jobs from Bel, or he met Belichick by working for Belichick's dad at Navy um, as an assistant. And that's how they became friendly and, and developed that relationship. But yeah, t- hats off to Nick Saban. I mean, I think out of all the coaches retiring, it's definitely the one that I think is the most impactful for the sport. I think it's the most, shocking and i think it completely transforms college football next year because you know now you're you're looking at you're looking at college football and you're kind of like you know there really is that fear of of nick saban and alabama is kind of gone for the time being you know and you and you think that might be replaced by kirby smart in georgia but I, i i don't know right again like you saw it this year like nobody thought that alabama team was going to be georgia you know after they lost to Texas and, and, you know, maybe that changed a little bit going into the, the uh, SEC title game, but like he had their number and, and I remember just going into that game, just thinking like Alabama is going to win this because it's just, he has Kirby's number. Like he, he just knows how to beat those teams when it matters. And I think this Michigan team was just that good that it, it, you know, it was just too hard for them to overcome. Because, because again, I think you know we haven't even talked about the title game, but it, this Michigan defense might be a top ten college football defense of all time. I mean, they were just that dominant all year, and it, obviously, you kind of no one was surprised when they you know couldn't get it done against them. But yeah, I mean, it's just still a shock. But hey, he did it when it mattered. He won when it mattered. He won when you knew you were going to hate it. And it's 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 pretty crazy to think he's gone. Another thing is with with Nick Saban out. Does Jim Harbaugh look around and say, 
Hey, wait, let me, you know what? Let me actually come back and just rule over college football for another five, 10 years. I mean, who's, why not? You know, yeah, it's just Kirby smart really. And you don't know if he's going to be back. Obviously it was kind of an absurd two year run with going back to back, but it's hard to replicate that. And who knows, especially with in today's world with how hard it is to keep your best players happy all you the five and four star recruits that you collect and guys are not consistently not going to be happy either with the money, the playing time, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough in this today's game. So who knows? Maybe does that mean Jim Harbaugh is not a lock to the NFL anymore? It does kind of seem like he, he is kind of a lock at the same time. If we're being realistic about things, chargers and Raiders, 100% seems like he will pick one of those teams. I think, I, you people are talking about the commanders. I just don't know if that's really the case. It is closer to his brother, the Baltimore Ravens, obviously John Harbaugh over there, and his family would be able to travel back and forth between D.C. and Baltimore quite easily to catch both of their games. He'd get to play in a different conference as his brother, wouldn't have to face his brother until the Super Bowl if both their teams got there. So that is, I guess... A, something that is working in the favor of Washington, the Washington Commanders, and they have a new ownership group as well, headlined by Josh Harris, Max Johnson. You, you, I guess there is some appeal there potentially for Jim Harbaugh, but the Chargers and Raiders, I think, just make too much sense. They'll probably cough up more money, and I, I, some people think it might come down to. I heard this theory earlier today, and. So Jim Harbaugh obviously recruited a lot of the players in college football right now. And one of those being probably Drake May. And if he does not think that Justin Herbert on the Chargers is better than what Drake May can become in the NFL with his next team, let's say the commanders, just to, you know, for, for this for this purpose. Then does he take the commander's job, you know, because then, then you have greater quarterback security and that is a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. You do not have to worry about that and you do not have to worry about any issues of that bringing your team down or keeping your team out of the mix and from winning. The, if that is the case and if that's the main reasoning by, by behind why he would take the commander's job, that'd be insane. But I wonder how tr- how possible that actually is, you know. I, I feel like the Chargers, though, are a lock because of the history. He played for the Chargers. I mean, it seems like, you know, everything is there to kind of line up for him to take. Those Charger highlights go pretty hard, too. Yeah, and, and it's also, right, like, you're not being part of a rebuild. Like, you're kind of going into a team that has a lot of the pieces there. But as you said, I mean, I don't know why there would be – any reason for him to not stay at Michigan if he thinks to himself, well, you know, I have a good quarterback coming up next year. Um, and, you know, I'm not losing a ton of my team. There's no saving anymore, right? I mean, I guess I guess the argument is that the Big Ten is going to be really competitive, and so it's going to be hard to, to, you know, win it. But that doesn't, you know, necessarily need to be your your goal if there's a 12-team playoff. So, yeah, I kind of like that theory of 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 him staying because you know, he has the he definitely has the capability and chance to turn Michigan into a dynasty. 
And right, like that's kind of what college football is when you look at the sport is that it goes through these dominant eras where teams or programs, sorry, you know, really take over. And you look at Nebraska in the 90s, you look at Miami in the uh, early 2000s, you know, you look at Bama, obviously, and then you obviously have the stalwarts that are kind of always there, like the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Florida States or whatever. But there's always that like one team right every decade that kind of dominates and takes over and 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 is clearly the best team in the sport and i i think he had he must think to himself right especially with the way he's been recruiting the last few years that what's to say that i can't keep this up what's to say that i can't you know turn the tide and be the first michigan coach in 20, you know, since really the 40s to really dominate Ohio State like every single year. And, you know, and completely switch the tide to Ohio State being little brother and Michigan being big brother, which I think he can do, especially with Ryan Day's, you know, looking like it's not going to, he's going to go anywhere. So it's, it's, it's a real, I think out of all the coaches that retired, right, Saban's the, you know, the, the big one that is so shocking, but the real storyline I think for head coaches this, this year, right. Is like, is Harbaugh has some, one of the most interesting decisions to make where it's like, go the NFL route. Right. Obviously the chargers is probably the best place in terms of the situation you can go into and, and immediately kind of start running with it and it working and not have to spend a few years rebuilding. And again, we've seen, Obviously, he's had success in the NFL before, but like, you know, look at the last few college coaches that were very dominant in the sport go to the NFL. Look at Nick Saban, look at Urban Meyer. Obviously, those are guys who never did well in the NFL, but it, you know, he could also think about that, right? And go, hey, like, you know, the trend, the transition from NFL to college is easy. The transition from college to the NFL is not. And maybe going back isn't the right idea because. He could easily go to the Chargers. He could easily go to the Commanders, and it could just be the same disaster class, you know, because he, you know, he brings that kind of college head coach mindset to the NFL, which doesn't work because you're not dealing with college kids; you're dealing with adults. Like, it, 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 those are the types of questions, right? That I think he must be asking himself. But then again, there is that feeling, you know, from that 49ers team when he left and was kind of run out. It, you know, like he has some unfinished business. You know, he got to that Super Bowl. You know, he yeah. knows that he can he can elevate a team to a championship. And it's it, I think, you know, that alone is really hard to kind of for him to to turn down. So I guess. Yeah, I guess it's really what's his internal feelings and toward towards, you know, how much does he love college football versus how much is he trying to chase the Super Bowl? And that's that's ultimately probably what it's going to come down to. It's just crazy that at Michigan, he didn't even have the most amazing recruiting classes. I don't even think he had top 10 recruiting classes. And he only had two five-stars on this team that just won the national championship. Like, he didn't even have a game-changing quarterback necessarily. His quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, literally had to do nothing in this game ten to win. They literally just dominated the line of scrimmage like an NFL team and won in – that's I mean, that again, way. look at look at his NFL look at his NFL team with Kaepernick, right? Like Kaepernick obviously had a great year, but it wasn't about the quarterback. Yeah, you know, it was it was about that defense. It was about the you know the the line the line um the battle at the line of scrimmage, having a good running game. That's what made those 49ers teams really good. Was that you know Kaepernick was some, sometimes kind of blessed by the fact that like 
he had great protection and teams had to worry about Frank Gore in the running game. I mean, look, look at the yeah. receivers that were on those 49ers teams. There was nobodies. I mean, even Michigan's receivers, right, aren't that great. Like, there's some good guys. Like, obviously, they're they're talented. But, like, I think everyone would still take Ohio State's receiving room this year versus Michigan's. But Oh, for, for sure. Yeah, so I, that is the thing that I think is interesting with with Harbaugh is that, you know, it's it's not always about the quarterback play for him which I think is a really interesting, you know, situation, especially in today's current landscape, but which could be one that could hurt him when he moves to the NFL. Um, But then again, I think part of his success too is just, you know, again, he didn't always rely on guys in the portal. He was really about developing players at Michigan, getting everyone to buy in, you know, like Blake Corum, I saw in an interview talked about how like, you know, he Harbaugh was really the focal point for a lot of guys who could have gone to the NFL about like, you know, buying in and and, and ending on a championship. And I think, you know, in, in this day and age, it'd be really cool to see kind of a and as this is crazy to say as an Ohio State fan, but it'd be really cool to see a dynasty in college football where, you know, the one team that's consistently winning titles is not the team that's, you know, in the portal. It's not the team that's, you know, going after all the crazy NLI deals. It's the team that's building within and, you know, kind of kind of creating that like internal mission of, you know, if you come here and you work hard and you develop, like, you know, we're going to play you, you know, it might not be right away, but you're going to have your opportunity. And sometimes that's better than, you know, just offering someone a bunch of money or just having a bunch of transfer players that, you know, are never going to be loyal to your program. Cause I mean, I I don't know if, if there's anything that can back this, but I would assume out of the four teams in the playoffs that Michigan probably had the least amount of transfers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is a legitimate program. These guys developed. Jim Harbaugh absolutely established his culture, his way. Uh, Won the national championship also without his best offensive lineman, which is kind of insane, too, when you think about that. So, and all I'm saying is I think it really feels like he is just scratching the surface of what he could possibly do. Yeah. So, for him to leave Michigan, I think, would be – huge in that regard because it seems like he could he's on the cusp of a dynasty potentially um you know with the way college football looks right now all the uncertainty at um at big schools and their head coach outlooks so yeah he he could do something really special if he stays in michigan we'll have to see though and i think that being said we got to jump real quick let's look at the nfl playoffs we have our playoff picture set in stone we got a lot of good games we started off with two games on Saturday, and it's going to be the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. That's a toss-up game. I don't know who to pick in that game. You have the Flacassants against C.J. Stroud. <laughs> um, that, that's a game. It's on NBC, 4.30 on Saturday. I don't know who, who I would pick in that game. Finn, let's start off with you. Are, do you feel good about – I know you're a certified Stroud boy, so are, are you taking <laughs> C.J. Stroud to, to – Pull off, I guess, the upset, you know, in the, in this game. Well, these guys already played each other a few weeks ago. If I'm if I'm correct, right? Uh, why am I why am I not? I I swear that. I yeah, they, they played each other on December 24th. The Browns won 36 to 22, but again, CJ Stroud, Jeez. I don't think played. Um, or that's when he was around injured, or maybe he even got injured in that game. I'm gonna go the Texans. I know they just played recently. And I know the Browns won, but C.J. Stroud did not play in that game. And I think overall, 
this Texans team is, you know, coming off a great win. Uh, they obviously, you know, have kind of had a surprise year where no one really thought they were going to be in this position. I think starting at, if you look back at week one, but I don't know, it's home. It's a, t- it's a, you know, young Texans team. That's got nothing to lose against Joe Flacco. I know the Cleveland defense is really good. So I think that if they shut down CJ Stroud early on, the game's probably over, but I just, I have that feeling, right? CJ Stroud, this is a huge game for him to kind of cement himself is not only the best rookie quarterback, I think maybe the best young quarterback in the NFL under oh, the age of 100, 100%, 100%. Now, is it his time to shine at this early in his career against this team? I'm not so sure. I mean, the Texans are two point underdogs. So I, I think you got to give me the Browns on this one. I think Joe Flacco is just too hot. We have yet to see somebody stop it. I don't know if D'Amico Ryans has the team to extinguish the fire that Joe Flacco has got this team rolling with right now. So I'm going to take the Texans. I mean, mean, I'm going to take the Browns on this one. Give me the dog pound. All right. Well, I guess we're split on that. And then I think, right, the Browns will play the Ravens if they win that game. They Well, it depends on who's the lowest seed. Yeah, so if – yeah, because if Miami wins, then they'll play the Ravens. But there's a chance that we have – Cleveland at Baltimore, Joe Flacco homecoming in the divisional playoff for a spot in the AFC championship. Like, I mean, yeah. NFL script writers just could not, could not draw it up better than that. For everything that did not go right this NFL season, that we got some great matchups and moving on down at five o'clock uh, on the cock, <laughs> we got <laughs> Peacock. Obviously guys, come on, get your heads out of your ass there. Got the six seed Miami Dolphins. Got to go into an absolutely freezing environment in Arrowhead Stadium against the number three seed Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs did not get the one seed for the first time in a long time. I think I'm, I think it goes back to that 2019-2020 season. It's crazy. Where, where the Titans stole it somehow, the one seed. But then they ended up choking in the divisional round. So Chiefs still got home field advantage throughout the playoffs, basically. Crazy. So... Yeah, in this game, I, I don't I just don't like the way Miami is looking right now to confidently say that they would pull out this game. I mean, Chiefs are four and a half point favorites to start. Miami just has is so banged up right now. They are missing so many guys. I mean, look at the defense too. Last game, I know in week eighteen, last game of the season against the Bills, they were fighting for the number two seed in the playoffs, which is, you know, that's huge. They didn't have Javon Holland, and then obviously they've lost their top there are two edge rushers for the season Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips so it's patchwork along the defensive line right now the defense just does not look amazing I think Zayvon Howard is I think he's out for the year it it just doesn't look great on that side of the football and then especially they have a huge injury report on the offensive side as well Waddle wasn't available Raheem Mostert wasn't available last week so they they if and it is not the same on offense if you don't have the tandem of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle Teams have been able to cover Tyreek Hill when Jalen Waddle was also not on the field. Uh, teams have been able to game plan for this for this offense. They like to play through their running backs, but also if you don't have the committee available, how dynamic can they really be? You know, I think you got to ch- take the Chiefs on this one. The, the Dolphins just don't have the momentum; they're too banged up. And I just, and with how cold it's going to be, it could be like negative nine. So yeah. I just don't. I, I'm just not that confident in the Dolphins. I think this is just a really, really bad matchup. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to go the Chiefs as well. And there's and there's two 
uh, a couple of reasons, actually. Well, there's more than that. One, Tua is 0-4 in games below 45 degrees and has a pretty bad QBR. I don't know enough to top my head, but it's not very good. Um, as you said, they're pretty banged up. You know, they that I think losing at home to the Bills in that fashion is really hard. You know, they had that AFC uh, North title in their hands, and they just completely dropped it. Like the Chiefs receivers will probably drop balls on um, Saturday. And that's the only thing right, that could keep Miami in the game, is we've seen this Chiefs offense this year just sputter and be look completely lifeless out there. And so – I mean, how they, effective is how effective is Travis Kelsey going to be too? I mean, yeah. there's just injuries galore, I think, across the field. Yeah, this, so this game, I, I think – again, I feel like we could be really shocked and just see the, the Dolphins win simply just because the Chiefs are inept on offense right now. Um, but – it's playoff, you know, it's home field advantage for Kansas City. You know, it's really hard to play there in the playoffs, let alone when it's cold. Um, so, yeah, I think you got to go. I think you got to go the Chiefs here I, or the Swifties, sorry, because. <laughs> Team uh, Swifties on that one. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, it's, I uh, it's uh, the, the Swifties will live to see another game on Peacock. So, yeah, g- give me the give me the Chiefs. Yeah, I think you got to go the Chiefs. Let's move on. Sunday slate here, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 a.m. Eastern, I guess, on CBS, so guys can relax on this one. It's 17 Steelers who snuck into the playoffs somehow, some way, and Mason Rudolph against the two-seed Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is just playing some really good football right now. They were at 6-6 and and looked like they were dead in the water and somehow rebounded. Upset Miami in the last week of the season, stole the two-seed. They've got momentum now, finally, again. Defense is playing well, even though Von Miller is not the same, and Matt Milano is out for the year. This team has figured it out. Give me the Bills at least to move on to the divisional round against the Steelers, who don't even have T.J. Watt. I mean, this team just has pretty much no chance. I just don't think Mason Rudolph can save this team. Yeah, I'm going to go the Bills as well. Again, that Miami game kind of told you everything about this team. They look hot. Um, they played really well down the stretch. Uh, it's it's just hard to not take them, especially when they're at home as well. So I think I'm going Buffalo here. Uh, I mean, it's t- a hard one. Ten point favorites at home too. That's a big yeah. spread. So yeah, that, there's no lying there. Moving on down, one thirty game Pacific time, four thirty I guess Eastern time on Fox. Got seventeen Packers and Jordan Love sitting at nine and eight, going to the Big D against. I think this the is the best game Cowboys. This is going to be – this is a fun matchup. It's always fun when these teams find a way to get together in the playoffs. Dallas, seven-point home favorites. Cowboys at home have just been a different animal, and I think it's honestly going to be as simple as that. Hopefully Jordan Love doesn't get eaten alive, but it's very possible in Jerry world. Cowboys love to play at home on turf. So, yeah, give me the Cowboys in this one. Um, I, th- I, I just – I think they got this one handled. I'm going to go the Green Bay Packers. Wow. I, I just – I don't know. It has that feeling, right? Jordan Love has – again, as much as I think he's a little bit of an inconsistent quarterback and definitely has a lot more steps to take to kind of fill the shoes of, of Rodgers and Favre, he's played really well down the stretch. I think he's like 13 or 18 – like I think it was like 13 touchdowns to one interception or something like that uh, during the last eight games. Like he's just been unstoppable. And – I don't know if he if he shows up and he plays well and he doesn't have one of his off bad game uh, one of his off games, I I think there's nothing stopping this team from winning this this game. We've seen the Cowboys struggle in these kind of primetime games recently. You know it was the Seahawks, 
they didn't play that that well against them. They kind of let the Seahawks, you know, stay in that game late. Um, that Detroit Lions game really was a, a terrible officiating call away from, from being a pretty shocking loss at home. So yeah. it just kind of has that feeling, right, of like the Cowboys are in a position to lose one of these games because they've just given us a lot of reasons as to why they could lose one of these games. So I think you got to look at this this – this game and, and go obviously the Cowboys are the favorite as you said they're really good at home even regardless of those kind of shaky games and we'll pro I think obviously they'll probably win but in my opinion I think Green Bay is going to squeak this one out I think Jordan Love's going to cement himself as the quarterback for this team moving forward and yeah he's looked hot so I think if he can carry it into the playoffs this uh, Cowboys team's in some trouble and I think if they do lose this game I think Mike McCarthy's out wow I mean could could very well be on the table. Jordan Love would take over the NFL world if he pulls off this upset. I think, I think out of all the games on Wild Card Weekend, if you're going to look at the upset factor, I mean, I get, I guess the next game we're going to talk about, you could probably say this is possible. Well, I think the upset factor is definitely in the NFC. I think the upset game is 100% going to be one of these NFC games. So, but I think this game in particular is the one where it has that feeling, right, of like, this Packers team is, you know, just historically has played well at Jerry World. And, you know, they've done this before in the same situation back when, uh, you know, Zeke and Dak first exploded onto the scene um, when Rodgers had that uh, game-winning drive. So I I don't know. You know, it kind of has that feeling to it a little bit for me. And then last game of Sunday in primetime on NBC, 5 o'clock, 8 Eastern. Storybook game. Not storybook game. This was a game, didn't even know this was going to be possible, but NFL script writers did their job. And we get Matthew Stafford's return to Detroit. The six-seed Rams taking on the three-seed Lions. Lions three-point favorites. I honestly don't know who's going to win this game. I think this is going to be a really tight game. And if I did have to pick somebody, I'm really tempted to take the hot Rams. Uh, I think the Rams... Honestly, with Matthew Stafford slinging it, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup side by side, they got a running game with Kyron Williams now. Sean McVay is cooking, and I think they might just have enough to pull off the upset in Matthew Stafford's, the house that he built, the Ford Field. This is this is going to be fun to watch. Don't be surprised if the Rams didn't come out on top. Not to mention, too, that this is uh, Jared Goff's return against the Rams. I mean, this is a, you know, the, the scripts are, there's just scripts galore in this game. It's, it's, it's a revenge bowl. Yeah, it really is for them trading him and thinking he wasn't good enough. So, I mean, I think wow. there's also that, you know, playing into, in, uh, into effect in this game is that, you know, Hey, I, you, you guys picked me as the number one overall pick. I led you guys to some pretty good seasons. You know, I never got it done in the playoffs, but Hey, now I'm going to prove that, you know, I can, and, and that you, you know, I don't think they regret trading him obviously for the Super Bowl, but that, you know, Maybe there's a little bit of just kind of a extra motivation there. And then I think the same thing for Stafford, right? Like it's kind of a, you know, we, it's gotta be a weird feeling playing against Detroit in Detroit um, after so many years there uh, and have not having the success. It'd be kind of wild to see them finally have playoff success when they don't have him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The thing with Detroit, right. Is that that cowboy game shows me that this team is a blackjack team. They're willing to take risks. They're willing to, you know, get out of their comfort zone to, to win. And I do love that about Dan Campbell because I just think it kind of adds that element to that team that they're really unpredictable. 
you know, they'll go for it on fourth down, you know, they'll go for it. They'll go for two to end games. You kind of have to like that kind of gutsy call play calling that they do bring to the table. Oh and, yeah. If you're looking for the coach with the biggest balls, look no further than yeah, this guy right here. Dan, Dan Campbell with his like uh, extra large venti with, you know, uh, pre-workout what, and everything. In did, between, what, 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 was it triple espresso? Yeah. Dude, that's just insane. Only a, a only Dan Campbell can handle yeah. that. And his Metallica. Like, you got to love it. But I, I don't know. The big thing for me in this game is I feel like the thing that's held the ran- the Lions back, sorry, this year is Jared Goff's mistakes. We still have kind of seen him make those really erratic throws. We were kind of like, why did you do that? You know, fumble it in the pocket. Like, he still has that turnover tendency that he's kind of carried his whole career, uh, you know, outside of that those one or two seasons where he was really efficient. So, again, I think that's the question for this Rams team, right? If they can win the turnover game, they'll win this game. And I think just the fact, what are they like? They've they've won seven of their last eight games, right? I think. Some I don't know. They're pretty hot. They they basically have been undefeated down the stretch, and and they've you have to think right. They've kind of had to run the table to make the playoffs, and so I'm gonna go the Rams. I, I just I don't know they have it has that feeling right like I, as you said Kyron Williams Puka Nakua Cooper Cup Matthew Stafford like it's crazy to see how much value they get out of their rookies in the uh, in the late rounds of the draft and it, it they just have that it, it just has that feeling right of this team kind of being hot at the right time you know playing one of the higher seeds that's you know clearly had um, you know its issues throughout the year and is clearly not infallible. And I think uh, I think the Rams are going to pull it off. Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to be st- standing on business at the end of this game. It's just a matter of, is, is it going to be Stafford and the Rams or Goff and the Lions? We shall see. This is my favorite game of the weekend, by, by the way, too. <laughs> like, by far. That's a great, it's, a, it's a great matchup. And moving on to the final game, the Monday game. Kind of sucks that ESPN got stuck with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and it, we, we got the five-seed Eagles team that is just – anything but on the rise going into Tampa to take on the four seed bucks. Um, the Eagles are a three point favorite somehow. Actually. I, 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 I really don't know who's going to win this game either. I want to say the Eagles, the Eagles should win this game, but will they is the question. They, they just haven't put it together. It seems like their team chemistry has just gone down the drain. I just don't know what's going on there. Hopefully Jalen Hurts is healthy. If he's not, it could be some serious struggle there. It's going to be a low-scoring affair. I would definitely take over-under of 44. Give me the under 100%. I mean, Buccaneers could only score nine points against the worst team in the NFL last week. So this is going to be a defensive game. Yeah, to say the least. I really yeah. honestly want to check the weather in Tampa too because there's a shot at Reigns. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to have 40% chance of raining on Monday night. So that's going to be another factor to take into account as well. Because, you know, it, that Tampa Bay, you know, when that stadium, when it rains there, it's a muddy stadium. They play on grass. You know, it, it could have that kind of old school in between the tackles type of game where it's like three to nine or something like that. Yeah, this is going to be a seriously low scoring game in the Big Ten West here. Give me... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Eagles live to see another day at least on Wild Card Weekend here. I I just I don't know how you can how you can rightfully take the Bucks. I think even when they get at home and probably 
they'll probably be better prepared for the elements, but I, I just, I can't not take the Eagles in this one. So I think I'm just going to stick with that. I personally think that uh, Michigan should have taken this last spot instead of the NFC South. <laughs> um, <laughs> just cause like that would be more interesting to me. And also the fact the Eagles get to play the Buccaneers after the crap that they've dealt, they've um, been throwing at everyone the last few weeks with their terrible play just pisses me off so much. That, you know, they have all these setbacks. They finally look like they're going to suck. All the shit talking is finally catching up to them because they're two and five since Nick Sirianni de- decided to just uh, chirp at Chiefs fans. They Jesus. get to play the Bucks. Like, it's just so unfair. It, it, in my opinion, they should be playing the Rams in reality. Like, I, I know that's not how the seeding works, but they got incredibly lucky with the seeding because they I mean, should, in no situation – be allowed to be playing the Bucks right now. Because, again, I think with the Bucks, right, it really depends on the play of Baker Mayfield. We've seen him have games this year where he's looked like Oklahoma Baker. You know, he's looked like that guy who's just, you know, grabbing his crotch in front of everybody and just playing with no, you know, no care in the world. So. I feel I feel like he's the, the opposite of Kirk Cousins. He's the anti-Kirk Cousins. I think when the lights are brightest, you actually get the best out of him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know, because I was going to say, right, like you had a few of these games this year, like when he played against the Packers and he had that perfect QBR, like Baker still has the capability to come in and be a very good quarterback. It's just like, there's those games, right, where you're just like, what is this guy doing? And so I don't know if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm kind of coming into this game with no care in the world. I think, you know, you're just happy to be here. You have no expectations. Mike Mike Evans has been having a great season, so you got to look at like him just you know trying to do, getting uh, him to dominate this game. But again, because it's the Buccaneers and it's the NFC South, I I think Philly will squeak by. But I mean, if I'm the Bucks, right, I'm just going to be doing everything I can to prep for DeAndre Swift and how to shut him down. Because if they can shut DeAndre Swift down, I think they'll win this game. It's it's going to be close. That's all I know. I'm I mean, this game should have been on Peacock, let's be honest. It's going to be really funny if the Eagles don't win this game, though, and they're going to have some serious – they're going to have not a fun offseason. I know that for sure. So Praying on that every day. <laughs> praying that they lose this game. Like, yeah. Please, God. You've been, you've been praying on their downfall. We yeah. know. We know. And that being said, hopefully you enjoyed this – Close to 80 minute long session here. And we will get back to it pretty soon, probably after wildcard weekend here. So stay tuned for another episode real soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.